You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Go Wild. If you haven't already, download the Go Wild app wherever apps can be downloaded or for more information, visit timetogowild.com. If you want to be a part of the fastest growing outdoor community on the web, Go Wild is the social media platform for you. It's the home for hunters and fishermen and outdoor enthusiasts from hiking and camping to backpacking and more and more and more. You need to check out the Go Wild app today. Sign on and time to go wild. All right, guys, welcome to another Land and Legacy podcast. This is your host, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. And we are joined by special guest, Mr. Blake Hamilton. Hey, guys. Blake, I, I'm trying to think of how to introduce you. Because there's no good way. He, there's no just, good way, yeah. He blows away any introduction. He's from Alabama. South uh, Alabama. South Alabama. <laughs> and uh, But now you reside in Texas. Um, for the introduction, Blake is a guy that we met a couple of years ago yeah. at QDMA National Convention and very kind of just hit it off immediately because we, we come from similar backgrounds. We work in similar fields, but we have the same passions. Yep. Um, and Blake, visions. And visions and kind of uh, dreams, similar dreams and where we want to go in life. So we automatically just hit it off, and we've been in touch and uh, have – Stayed in touch and visited again at QDMA this year, um, and so we just—it's—it's it's nice to meet people like-minded with similar visions. And totally. So, uh, and, and that's the—that's the funny part, you know. I think we—we we look at the hunting industry, and there's so much like divide, and and uh, people just, I guess, not get along because brands and this and that. But it's like Blake does a lot of the same stuff, but hey, we're we're sitting down at the same table in his office in texas just meeting and talking and and seeing what the future holds for um consultants all around the country and and us that's right it's cool to brainstorm with similar minded people so blake's company nature's eye is uh consulting they do various things but consulting is one of the biggest ones and so i think he automatically would group us in oh this is like ford had a podcast and they're interviewing chevy like this doesn't make sense (laughs) Um, but that's not the case at all no, it's it's more like Kia and Ford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I guess we're, we won't say who's Kia and who's Ford. <laughs> <laughs> oh, There's going to be a lot of laughs on this, this yeah. podcast, too. For we, sure. We we're going to be redlining that. this thing like crazy. But, Blake, <laughs> give us a little bit. You have an interesting background. Kind of walk us through childhood to where you're at now. What, what were those steps like? Man, well, I appreciate, you know, first you guys um, hiring me as a comedian to be on this deal. These tomatoes you guys have in your hand right now is kind of weird and it feels a little awkward, but yeah. <laughs> I'll give you, you the best deliver. Fozzie jokes I can think of. But, man, no, seriously, I appreciate, you know, there's just a brotherhood when you're cut from the same cloth and, and a mm-hmm. culture when you meet an agrarian-minded person that, uh, you know, this age and stage in life, our Rolodex is pretty stacked with uh, with friends. You know, after we get out of high school and college, you know, 
we're not trying to grow that group, but you just meet people that you connect with and, and share that, those passions for uh, family, uh, spiritual business and life. And uh, man, you guys echoing what you guys said, you know, we feel the same way. The whole nature's eye brand and family does about what you guys do. And, you know, folks get so caught up on, um, well, aren't they in the same space or, you know, Hey, it's a, it's a big world out there. And, you know, we get really caught up on pay and not purpose sometime. And the purpose is to drive and improve conservation on uh, the largest scale and highest level possible. So, you know, rising tide rises all ships. We're on the same team here flying the flag for conservation. So it's it's special for me to be able to sit and, you know, rap with guys like you on and not feel so territorial about, you know, what we do. We share the same love for that and just trying to create a business around it. So thanks for having me. Uh, excited about that. Um, stepping back childhood, um, you know, I grew up in uh, South Alabama and we had – you know, 15 acres around my house. It, it wasn't a tremendous amount of land, but um, it really instilled in me uh, foundationally that uh, it's really how you micromanage property and the treasures you find within it, even if it's within 15 acres. So those treasures for me and micromanaging it was, you know, damming up uh, one end of a drain and creating an ephemeral pool and sawing how the reptiles and amphibians responded to that and the, the birds and the, the uh, vegetation that grew on the banks and being able to squirrel hunt there and having small mammals such as rabbits and putting in bluebird houses. And, you know, that's managing wildlife. Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of folks get discouraged and are, you know, I don't own a thousand acres or I don't have a hundred acres. And, um, man, I think it's really thinking back to that 15 acre, that five acre mi mindset. How can we micromanage this? Mm -hmm. uh, because the hunting industry has really, you know, washed my mind in a lot of ways. I'm a big fan of it as a, as a hunter, but also I, I just think it's about deer and it's about inches. And sometimes, you know, it's about slowing down and appreciating the crackling of a fire, a cool breeze in the morning, or a song of a bird, you yeah. know. And that's that's a nature-based life, which is the foundation of life based on the principles of nature. People and are, so, are really quickly seeing why we, we gel very well in, in that first, you know, yeah. you five just minutes described, of podcast. <laughs> you just described in, in two sentences the 85 podcast before. Okay. Well, uh, I've never listened to one. Um, <laughs> He's our biggest fan, I swear. I mean, I swear. actually. That, that was his comedian joke. Wow. You didn't have to kick me when I said that. I'm sitting yeah. right here. Um, but uh, so, man, that's that's really the foundation. And, um, you know, we would – we didn't really own – well, we didn't own any land. Um, back then, we would just take cane poles, and my dad would um, help dig up worms in the backyard. and. Mm -hmm my mother and my father and I would go to a local bridge and brim fish or, you know, catch fish from, you know, a bridge on Sunday after church and a good family meal. That's cool. And that for us, that was Sundays in the South. And, um, I think they wrote a song about that. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> was that a rap song? No. Or, uh, okay. Cause I thought I knew that one. But I'll, I'll, I'll stop. So man, that, that was really it. That instilled the passion. Um, I went to junior college, um, in uh majored in criminal justice i wanted to become a law enforcement officer game warden uh, again mm -hmm. I'm just in that conservation space because 
I wanted to be able to protect uh, wildlife. You know, yeah. one of my favorite quotes is Theodore Roosevelt. It's uh, wildlife in its habitat cannot speak, so we must and we will. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what game wardens, conservation officers, forest service agents, and consultants are doing is speaking for the wildlife. So that's, right. that's why I went into that. Um, I transitioned. I don't know if you guys know this, but um, had the opportunity one summer uh, to go – uh, do some carpentry work in Canada, you know, from the age of a 14 to 21, I actually um, put stucco on houses and bricklaid and roofed. So what I learned some carpentry skills. Uh, Quebec. Really? Interesting. And I went up there and I worked at a camp called Grassy Narrows. I was a black bear guide in Grassy Narrows. I lived with the Amish country and um, helped them frame and uh, would carpentry work on lodges and camps there and also would help guide walleye and pike fishing trips. And that was a moment for me that, you know, I I call it now decompressing. You know, there was was no phones. There Mm. was no communication um, except within camp and yourself within nature. And sometimes that's the best kind. Yeah. And it was a pivotal moment in my life that I needed, so I'm very thankful for, uh, a guy named Elsie Steedley, uh, who's still a good family friend, to mentor me in that aspect. And um, when I left there, he was a big fan of Mississippi State um, because he had lived near there. I was I was going to Auburn. Um, now, I'm probably about to lose a lot of friends on Facebook when I just said that. <laughs> We're not talking about football here, guys. Uh, get, sit, sit back down. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about conservation schools. <laughs> so um, – they was a great conservation school when I was headed that way, and Mississippi State, for several reasons, became the school I chose and went to school for there for forestry and wildlife biology and just had the opportunity immediately to take a uh, internship position at Mossy Oak Corporate. Mm-hmm. Um, started out as a guide on a, um, a property they had called Portland Landing, uh, about 14,000 acres in Alabama, and there I, um, I learned a, a culture that I, I believed in very much, but I, um, I began to learn that it was as much about managing people as it was about wildlife. Sure. And guide, guiding to teach you, you know, it's client expectations and uh-huh. it's entertainment and relationships, and that's what drives, you know, who we are in life. So um, I ended up helping um, – my boss mentored to a guy I think a lot of at the time was Toxie Hayes. We, uh, he had a vision to start a nursery called Mossy Oak Native Nurseries, and I was uh, first employee there. Mm-hmm. We added that team, ended up growing about 90 different species and expanding that uh, as a wow. containerized seedling nursery across the country and, and learned a lot about branding and marketing and grew a company called Gamekeepers. Or a, that was actually a, a brand being uh, grown at the time, I was able to be a small part of that. And anyway, ended up beginning to learn about the industry and meeting great people in the mm-hmm. industry and learn that there is a love and a lifestyle for what we do. And, um, you know, just that, that lasted about eight years after I'd graduated from Mississippi State. And then I actually um, detached from Mossy Oak and had the opportunity to start um, Nature's Eye, which started out our foundation as a consulting firm. And now uh, we do consulting, we do uh, nature-based media, we do real estate investments and uh, a real estate company through Mossy Oak Properties. And um, 
you know, but the greatest of all of that story is what I've really learned in the past year. You know, a lot of those was life, and now I call it life and losses because I lost my father, I lost my grandfather, and I lost one of my, my best friends. Mm. And, um, man, it, it really gives you a second gear to show you uh, or remind me of the, what that 15 acres is all about. Yeah. You know, it's enjoying a cool breeze, the crackling of a fire, and the song of a bird. It's the things that uh, God's given us in life that are free mm-hmm. and are around us every day. And we get so caught up in, you know, competition within our workspace or social media or, you know, just emotions that, yep. man, the greatest gifts are free to us outside and outdoors and nature. So that's right. Our focus is um, to keep an eye on nature and look at it from nature's eye, not from our eye, and to manage for that. And that can be from, you know, songbirds all the way to white-tailed deer. But it's stepping outside of these industries and thinking more broad scope. And, man, you you really uh, ask several times about the historic land use as we spent the past couple of days in East Texas. And you've said, man, what was this historically? You guys get it. I mean – that's really what it's think about is that restoration efforts. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we preserve and restore, you know, what was here? Yeah. And it's thinking more of that broad umbrella approach. So it's been an awesome time for me. That's kind of my quick story uh, from childhood to now. Yep. Um, but it's it's got me in rooms with guys like you where we can, you know, we can share these things that we love. And still, it still reminds you. You know, it's good to step back and think about our foundations and where we come from and what got us to this point now. Yeah. Uh, so I, pr- I appreciate you asking me that. Yeah, I, you said something there that was just that. Now I'm understanding why it's called nature's eye. Um, there's kind of a, a message there that's exactly the core of of what your company is in your name itself. Same mm-hmm. thing with land and legacy. It's it's about the land. It's about looking at it through nature's eye, not your own eye. It's about looking for the benefits of the land, what's best for the land, rather than what you think is best for you. Exactly. You see it too much. I'm sure you see it as well, where somebody does something on their land that is trying to be beneficial to them without thinking about what the consequences are to the landscape or to the animals or the plants. You got it. I mean, you know, they want to engineer it or architect it the way they want it to be you yeah. know, versus the way nature will respond yeah it mm-hmm. really being and, and just the name you guys have coined land and legacy speaks volumes to that too you know because yeah. that's that's the two things it's about it's the land which creates a legacy within the family so yeah man it's all it's all cool stuff and there's a lot of folks out there that you know i think you know, fly that same flag and share those same beliefs. Uh, no doubt. And, and that's just awesome to sit around campfires sometime and just talk about talk about things and like that. That's the yeah. cool thing. I mean, I grew up in Virginia. Adam grew up in Missouri. You grew up in South Alabama. But all can share the same childhood experiences and life experiences in the way they've guided us all to come here and sit at this table with the same mindset mm-hmm. of the impact that nature has had on all of our lives to me that's incredible that's amazing um like you said though there's people listening to this right now you're like i'm i'm right there you know you they can't physically be right here at the table but mentally physically they are in that same mindset exactly that's why i love nature and the connection that it has with everyone involved it is we see it we're getting we get a lot of emails from listeners that are like 16 year old 
guys are they're less than 20 years old and they're dreaming of the day to own their own farm to where they can do all the stuff that we talk about improve the land for the native landscape or for the native species and it's just like those guys are getting it mm-hmm. i've got a question for you because we come from similar backgrounds and it sounds like you had this absolute love for the outdoors you play a lot of video games growing up you know, I did. I was a I was a generation a of gamer, Game huh? Boy, and I was a game. You know, uh, Mario would throw a fireball every now and again. I got to be honest with you. I you mean, were the guy throwing out bananas of Mario Kart, right? <laughs> that was actually O'Doyle when I was in high school. He used to pick on me, but yeah, that, that was Donkey Kong as well. Right. Oh man, well you shot. I played some video games, but like the thing for me was always outside wiffle ball. Like, and then we would go to the farm. Like that was just like there was a. a a connection where that was when I think back now on like childhood stories, I don't remember, of course, ADD, which you suffer from as well. I don't remember a lot of the stories. Like, I love the terminology of suffer within that. So <laughs> yeah. Carry on. But the stories that I remember of the childhood, like going to the farm and being outside, those are the ones that really stick out that I, I'll, I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's no doubt. Um, you know, I my wife asked me all the time for Christmas, do, do you want me to get you an Xbox? Or, and I said, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. Internally, I'm thinking, I hope she surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. But, yeah. well, man, how about your time here in Texas? I tell you, we, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of drought. There's there's great Mexican, authentic Mexican yeah. food. We've got a tremendous oh. amount of hogs and yeah. turkeys everywhere. They I mean, like, it's, so, it's tell, what do y'all think? You know, oh. we came down – with the, you know, the bulk was, was come down here and brainstorm. And then, like, the added benefit was, you know, just this incredible, authentic Mexican <laughs> that you talked up so highly that we never got. And then You and ordered then, the crazy burrito. And I was I'm, I'm sorry that loco. you got frostbite from that. That was the only restaurant in town. Uh, only restaurant in, in town. And they served us all cold food. <laughs> I was the only one who didn't have cold food. I've never seen anybody get a brain freeze from a burrito. (laughs) (laughs) It was close, yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, my fajita came out and it wasn't even smoking or steaming, you know. It's just like they heated it up in the microwave. It's authentic. Authentic (laughs) Tex-Mex, I think is what their sign said. Exactly. And that's why you don't see authentic outside of this area. Yeah. Yeah. But what about those hogs, man? I told you we'd put you all over them. We... We drove around. We got a little stuck because of all the rain on these muddy, oh, nasty little man. roads. Um, didn't even see a – no, Adam, you did see a hog. I saw we a saw hog. hog. Yeah, we saw a hog. Um, but Y'all should have been here a day earlier. It was They was biting our ankles off walking <laughs> down the road. I had to put new tires on my truck. They kept <laughs> chewing on them. Yeah. They're thick down here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the stories that could be told from this day-and-a-half trip to Texas – yeah, a, unreal. We had a record flood come through. Barely yeah. made it out of camp this morning. It, that, that, the roads washed out. Very true. Terrible. Very Terrible. True. Yeah. We, we're kind of hoping to come back in January, baby, depending. Yeah, good um, luck with chase that. Some, yeah. <laughs> uh, excuse chase me. Are we still on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're still on. Oh, don't yeah. worry. Our wives don't listen to us <laughs> talk and ramble for an hour every week. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at – I'm guessing this is your slogan. It's your land. Let's make the most of it. Yeah, and, and – I was. I just read this cup as we're having this coffee here, and uh, I saw that. And then I'm looking at your hat about land and legacy. I was like, man, it just all ties together. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. Our slogan's for love of the land. Yours is it's your land. Let's make the most of it. 
Exactly. You yeah. know, and we've we've kind of been talking about a new term term around here, uh, a nature based life. Yeah. And I'd mentioned a minute ago, it's a it's a life based on the principles of nature. Yeah. And if we really think about like the principles of nature, what is that? You know, it's it's those of what a tree really is or resembles, and it's um, mm-hmm. grow where you're planted. Yep. You know, we're all planted in different areas of life and in different stages of our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for us to grow, but it's also important for us to coexist with others. So yeah. as like we're doing now, mm-hmm. we're in that same, you know, some folks would call it space together, but we can still mutually grow, you know, totally. just like those trees do. And then, um, are you a hippie? just because i have a hacky sack in my hand right now (laughs) air walks and corduroys Uh, does not make me a hippie okay and the fact that these are my bongos and i can rock them if i want but uh so yeah you know it's coexistent it's um growing where we're planted it's being all we can be Mm -hmm. and then it's trying to produce some kind of offspring or seed within itself but you know that's really we're just all living a nature-based life that's it it's it's crazy the how symbolic, you know, you can make, you know, learn from nature and apply it to your life. And then that's exactly right. That's a great parallel to what we're doing here today. But ultimately that, you know, our life's goal. Mm-hmm. You said something earlier, Teddy Roosevelt quote. I'll, I'll use a quote or a phrase that I, I've heard that has always stuck with me. And it's the one that a society grows great when old men plant trees in which the mm. shade they'll never sit in. Is that Chance the Rapper? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Young Jeezy, I believe. I don't even know these guys. You're more of a, I guess, more of a thug than I am. I, I appreciate that. That's yeah. one of the nicest things He's you've ever South said Alabama. to me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thug hippie that eats authentic Mexican. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I tell me a little bit about the land investment. I know we have talked about in the past on past podcasts about transforming land. Um, improving land, but you do something, you do something kind of, um, very interesting down here in Texas, I guess across the country, but really in, in your market here in Texas, you're dealing a lot with not necessarily flipping land, but you have another way of putting it. That's totally different than, than the image of flipping land. Tell me kind of, give me a little bit about what that's like. Sure. So, you know, if our goal, which is, to improve conservation on the largest scale possible, having the opportunity to consult with clients and just share ideas with others is is one method to do in that. Another is um, investing in land, actually developing it, mm-hmm. uh, improving that, and creating added value uh, because we're still reaching our same goal of uh, improving conservation on the largest scale possible. So. Some of the different vehicles we have, like through the real estate company, allows us to get first look opportunities at land deals. Internally, we have a company called uh, Nature's Eye Natural Resource Investments, which allows us to um, invest in some of those land deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we invest in land deals that really we're taking on a project, some that can be a blank canvas or that us as a consulting or development company sees added value in. And so as we invest in those, um, you know, our latest one, I believe, was 1,500 acres. That would be a two-year project. Well, it don't have a road system on it, don't have a lake on it, a pond on it. It's never had any timber management. It's just raw land. So we're able to invest in that land, create a master development plan, improve it or create added value, Mm -hmm. and then reposition it. So um, 
you know, there's a lot of folks that has um, flip land, you know, and and there's a business model for that. Um, For us, it's more about creating that added value. And then the term we use is reposition because we're repositioning something better, better. So the end user or retail has something that has that value on it. So we're not, you know, we're not buying 100 acres, clear cutting it. And yeah. then just flipping it and yeah. walking away. That's right. You know, Parceling it out with and a saying, mess. hey, exactly. now we've got four opportunities to sell 25 acres. It's not that. That's correct. It, one of the things and it's not said. also going in just putting out a few food plots and hanging a few tree stands and saying that you've made it a deer hunting property and flipping it that way either. That's you correct. You guys do some stuff that we'll talk about in a second that's really yep. right in line with what we – And you've seen one this past weekend, Mallard mm-hmm. Point. It's it's 900 acres that, you know, we go in with an infrastructure and build levees and waterfowl impoundments and road systems, food plots yep. to create opens of proper timber management, and um, we're unlocking the property's value, basically. it's yeah. It's nothing – it's that there. we've initially done it's yeah. there you're right it's just unlocking that value mm-hmm. uh, for what it truly is and then leaving it better than we found it um, that's it and that's how we can improve on a a, a larger scale um you and, know with that capability and giving more people the opportunity to get outdoors i mean with that addition opportunity to recreate that's, that's a conservation really coming full circle. And the term you threw out is develop, developing these properties. And that right off the top of most people's head is going to come across as, what do you mean, like development, like a residential, commercial, like industrial? Usually that term is, is um, used in that, that manner mm-hmm. associated with those, um, those terms. But really it is rural land recreational development, turning raw land into something that people can truly come out and enjoy that nature-based life and recreate on. Exactly. You're simply unlocking that property's potential to allow people to do that. Yep. And and you saw it and and it's to think about it holistically more so laser focused on to set it up just for hunting. So as you saw from the, you guys stayed at the showcase farm the Mm -hmm. first night and, um, you know, I'd mentioned the upper 40 strategy. Yeah. Basically what that means is micromanaging in a way that um, there's something for all folks to enjoy, no matter their age and stage of life or what they feel like they enjoy in the nature-based market. That could be hiking, camping, bike, backpacking, mm-hmm. fishing, hunting, sport and clay. You know, there's something there. So we try to develop those properties for uh, a nature-based lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and it's from bird watching, you know, all the way to, um, all the way to hunting. Yep. Yeah. I, one thing that I notice when we, when you look at the flippers, the land flippers, it's a lot of the very quick hit projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they don't even do that. They just basically buy it and turn around and just parcel it, it out, yeah. relist it. But what I see with you is there's the similar, very much a plan of attack for long term it's not something that the first owner is going to uh, benefit from but if it sells and switches hands switches hand multiple times your management is lasting generations down the down the line like walk me through um, you had this project at the home property your main camp where the landowner wanted to kind of restore some of that landscape that was there uh, let's say when Davy Crockett came through 
what was that? I, there's some really cool species coming up, but it's different. If you were to look across the road, there's a difference between the two. Exactly. So um, that that was the old growth forest. You know, there's there's no doubt, you know, if someone were to look at it, that um, those trees, uh, the longleaf pine and the shortleaf and things that are in there are biologically and economically mature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a forester, so... Um, as well so wearing my forestry hat i would say hey we need to cut these they're going to die from old age lightning strikes susceptible to disease and pest um but there's also a brighter mindset to say this is a component of history uh there is a large this vertical structure adds species richness of you Mm -hmm. know bird habitat um and then you know if this component wants to be preserved how do we restore or enhance this forest in a way that's still healthy? Right. For us, we went in and removed the uh, sweet gum, mm-hmm. um, a percentage of the ash and elm, uh, some of the uh, select species, and then that, that allowed more sunlight to hit the forest floor, and we was able to burn that under a two-year rotation. So as you can tell, it's just full of a salad bar. Oh, um, QDMA did their, their Deer Stewart 2 course there this year, and we spent a lot of time yep. – um, in that old growth forest. So um, that's some, not something we could recreate. Yeah, That's really something we hope to restore and maintain exactly. and preserve that history. Are we going to lose some trees along the way? Absolutely. Uh, it serves a as a conservation uh, conversation piece like it is now. But, um, you know, I, I always tell my clients that, you know, a bad timber cut takes 30 days, 30 years to grow back. A bad haircut takes three weeks. So it's it's extremely to be thoughtful, you know, and, and for folks to consult and talk with you guys like yourselves um, before they go in and just do something that changes it for decades. Oh, that's yeah. that's hinge cutting to me. <clears throat> hinge cutting. How many times, I mean, we've been there where, hey, I went ahead and got started or I, I did this for two years. I read this article or I thought about doing this. So I applied it and then I'm seeing persimmons and mulberries on the ground. Yeah. You know, it's like you hate. You know, our job is to be open and honest for the client's That's best it. interest. Yeah. Uh, but you're not going to build a house without a architect or a builder, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. really that's what you guys are doing is building that framework behind what they want their property to be. And then that's we exactly also right. align the reality of what it has the capability of being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, sometimes we want, again, it goes back to we want to, um, human nature manipulated or engineer it in a way that's forceful and then you know being transparent to receive the message that sometimes man it just is not going to be uh, a green tree reservoir or it's just not going to be this um, you know prairie grassland mm. yeah so it's identifying what you kept bringing what it was yeah um, and then what Slight you have index. the capability of maintaining. I mean, we talked yeah. about fruit orchards, yeah. you know, the other yeah. day, and that was a big conversation. They all sound great, and they look great, and you can read them in a magazine article, and you're going to see in the industry deer eating pears, but also understanding what there's some maintenance involved yeah. with that. And that yeah. is, uh, that's the dedication side to how much you truly love it versus how much you want to engineer and manipulate it. Yeah, make for us we've we've used the term or, or said make it something that it's not. A lot of times you see guys. I don't I don't think you have many down here, but the glades, limestone glades, um, we have them quite a few of them 
in Missouri, and they're very dry, arid, almost desert-like grasslands mm-hmm. um, on south-facing or west-facing slopes, and they're really rocky. And we see people trying to plant them, make them a, a food plot, and it's a very pathetic-looking food plot that requires a ton of fertilizer, a ton of lime, a ton of soil amendments to try and get it to be somewhat productive when they could have just left it in its native, improved the native land, uh limestone glade and had highly productive species that are are native to that site Mm -hmm. so yeah no it's really important and that's why you know having a management plan a development plan a habitat plan you know however you want to coin it is so important up up front because it's the blueprint of 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 what it is yeah yeah it's it's like if you were to go and start a business you go to the bank to get a loan. They want to see a business plan. They want to see your thoughts on how to grow that business five years down the road. You know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do to make this successful? They've got to see that. Yep. To see that's worth and to you know to build it. There's why would you enter and you know into a long-term property management um, deal without without the necessary plans that framework you're talking about. Yep to implement and land is one of those key things that very crucial because it's not like you can go and it takes a long sometimes a long time to fix there's not one of those big pink erasers you can just scratch out and say and it's oops it's not like you can go and level it off or do something and then turn around and say "Ooh, i didn't like that let's go ahead and change that back exactly it's it's and it's what it's a natural resource that is I mean, important for our water quality and soil quality and basically the foundation of life. Mm -hmm. But yet sometimes we manage it without any sort of plan and any understanding of long-term effects. Yeah, and I think um, capabilities and manipulation has distracted that. You know, a client recently, I was just really, you know, encouraging him to um, put a waterfowl impoundment in Mm -hmm. where I thought – you know, nature would respond the best because he was able to drill a well and access to a well. Mm. He wanted to see it on top of a ridge by his house. Mm. So he did. And, you know, the ducks are still landing down in the creek in the bottom where there's not as near as much surface water or yeah. not flooded millet. But, yeah, you know, so Mother Nature has a, a real funny way of um, showing humility. Oh, yeah. And we see it a lot in our industry. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and there's there's guidelines that that she provides us. You know, telltale signs that to the right eye are like, okay, that's what should be here. Yep. And if we try and stray or again make it something that's not, that end result is going to be much less than what you anticipated mm-hmm. going into it. You wrote an article about a year ago, I think it was, or it was several months back. Conservation preservation. You remember that article? I do. Yeah, it was yeah. on one of our blogs. Yeah. 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 One of your blogs. What was that? I, it was a really interesting article. Do you remember we, it? We've talked about this on the podcast in, yeah. in the past, but Con- it was conservation and preservation and the kind of the the look at managing the land with either mindset. You don't even remember it. He doesn't even remember this, Nothing. Matt. Um, Man, I do remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's that. That's that article, that <laughs> blog where he had somebody else write it and he put his name on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Actually, uh, I downloaded it off Wikipedia <laughs> and I put my name on it like we do everything else. <laughs> actually, the name of the company is not Nature's Eye. Um, the L is silent. It's actually Nature's Lie. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, I do. Um, I do remember that. It, you know, and I don't know if I can speak directly to that article, but I remember having that conversation. You know, uh, um, I have the opportunity to work with a, a close friend. She's she's worked full time for Nature's Eye, and she's in our content marketing department. Uh, Emily Courtney. She she writes a lot of our blogs, and we have you know, conversations as I'm going down the road or just mm-hmm. getting out of a deer stand. But when I can think uh, clearly uh, about, you know, these most important topics, I'll, I'll have a conversation with her and she'll take all that and um, craft it out in a way that creates a story. And I right. remember that was one of the discussions her and I had. And um, conservation, you know, just thinking outside of remembering those exact uh, words. But conservation is preservation yeah um we're preserving um we're preserving something that was really already created and sometimes we have to put it back in a way in order to have it where it's preserved and i think i think there's a direct correlation between legacy and preservation mm-hmm. yeah because that's really what you guys are doing by uh yeah it's, it's maintained. I think it's the one pride of the, associated with the preservation. And I think in land. this day and age, some people get caught in preservation as in don't touch, let nature do its thing, which for me is if you don't touch, let nature do its thing, we have manipulated the native landscape so much by removing prescribed fire, removing the fire, lightning strike yep. fires, removing uh, – that type of management or grazing, the two main disturbances that happen naturally, we've removed that. We've introduced non-native species to where preservation is one of those things where we're preserving the native landscape, but we still have to manage it. We can't just walk away and say it's going to fix itself. Exactly. Yeah. And and we've been introduced, unfortunately, by um, exotic and invasive species over yeah. that time. So having the mindset of preserve, don't touch it. Yeah. Just let it do its thing. These have been here for hundreds of years. That's not exactly true. If you, right. on your main projects here in, in East Texas, if you were to walk away for five years, you'd come back and you'd see understories of Chinese privet. Absolutely. And Chinese tallow tree in certain yeah. areas. Um, yeah. Cedar tree is becoming more and more invasive uh, yeah. in these areas. So, and you're right. And um, it's really important to think beyond that. You know, there's a, you know, naturalist or preservation or purist is just a term that, you know, man has created and defined and oh. like everything else. Yeah, um, labeled. Labeled. So, you know, what that truly means um, is um, is in is in the mindset of the conservationist. And those are the ones that have to improve it in a healthy way in order for a way to preserve it because, um, unfortunately – um earth is dynamic and things are changing all the time and you know they constantly and they really have over the past hundred years and that's what we're i think doing is trying to educate ourselves Mm -hmm. and others um, and that's the great things about uh groups like uh qdma you know it's being nimble and constantly educating ourselves first and others and being open-minded to things do adapt and things do change so yeah what's the latest and greatest research or things that we found out that you know helps us um conserve and then preserve things in a way that can be here after we're gone that's right definitely 
Absolutely. I know we got to wrap up here soon, and Matt and I got to hit the road, but we've got a, two more things we have to cover, uh, our plant and animals. Mm. And we had some interesting um, <clears throat> encounters, um, and so we're going to keep this Texas-based. I've got a bird in mind, and mm. we have a plant in mind that we uh, encountered a lot. It's the beautyberry. Okay. And you and I talked, or we all three talked about it while we were um, walking <clears throat> through the walking through the landscape the other day. Tell us a little bit about beautyberry that you know of, and I'll I'm gonna read some more stuff as soon as you're done. Yep, man, it's great. Um, aesthetically, you know, it's known for its purple clusters. You Just know, beautiful it's American beautyberry is yep. the name of it. Uh, the name in the front, America, you know, is pretty awesome within itself. But American yeah. Beautyberries, Calicarpa Americana, mm-hmm. uh, I believe the family's name is Calicarpanaceae, I believe. And um, there's a lot of different songbirds that depend on the berries. So that's one of the first, you know, things that is attractive is the the clusters of purple berries. Yep. Um, so the, the birds depend on the berries, and they get distributed easily because of that. And it's a forest understory plant, you know, typically. Um, I'll read you the native habitat right now. It Hit says, it. found in woods, most moist thickets, wet slopes, low, rich bottomlands, and at the edge of swamps and piney woods, post oak woods, blackland woodlands, and coastal woodlands. Moist woods, coastal plains, swamp edges, and bottomlands. You covered it all. That's it. So it, it is, it's throughout, you know, yeah. uh, being from um, Alabama and also Mississippi, it's, you know, dense in the understory there. Uh, and then now in East Texas here, with the deer the, absolutely the love it. Light. With ample light. Uh, yeah. and, and it, or necessary it, light. It, yeah, it could be shade tolerant yeah. as well. Very shade tolerant. It, yep. it does well with fire. You yep. know, you're yep. scarifying those seeds mm-hmm. and uh, – as we've we saw some two-year-old some stands that I have under a two-year-old burn rotation, and you know we saw plenty of three to four foot tall beautyberry. But Beautiful one thing color. about it is, um, it's a good representation of deer populations. A lot of the stems are browsed by you know white-tailed deer, mm-hmm. um, on the ends as well as you know the leaves. But um, throwing it way back to um, usage by uh, Native Americans is it has a chemical compound in it called calicarpinol, which is a, a chemical extract um, and for repelling mosquitoes. Yep. And, you know, whether this is true or not, um, logically it can be believed, but um, Native Americans use that as a natural insect repellent. So I would. I'll, as I bow hunt, you know, I yep. crush it up and I, I rub it. I wear also wear a lowen cloth, and which is kind of weird too, but still, oh, whatever. <laughs> uh, I, I ride in on my Kia, yeah. <laughs> but um, so you know, it, it's it's really cool. But also, just thinking about uh, nature, like we've talked about, another really cool fact about that is um, a lot of people use it like in um, aesthetic. Uh, native plants around their their camps or cabins it's um, low maintenance Mm -hmm. it's you know it's beautiful i've seen it at bass pro shop landscapes requires little fertilizer or any fertilizer that's correct it's got a neon green leaf to it um and also it's used a lot in like uh flower and floor arrangements like vases and stuff that you know i'm sure you guys are really into i love yeah 
That's right. Actually, Rounded points for the white. It accents well. well with the black-eyed Susan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just stop. I, I, to me, it's <laughs> the wonderful thing about it is that there's there's uh, advantages to us for mosquito repellent, but there's huge advantages because it can grow in semi-shade or even pretty good shaded woodlands. Pretty shaded, yeah. Um, it can grow in full sunlight. Um, it provides berries for the birds. It provides forage for the deer. It provides structure for the deer. Um, it's one of those species that it does a lot of things. It does, and it, it's it kind of gives that umbrella effect mm-hmm. for um, ground species too. Yeah, you know, I've seen ground nesting birds mm-hmm. get under those because it has that uh, canopy cover. Yeah. So my bird, mm. keeping it Texas themed, the painted bunting. Ooh. Ooh, beauty! And the painted bunting is one of the most beautiful birds in North America, if not the most beautiful bird in North America with all its colors. Um, But it's a shrub species bird. So why should we care about the painted bunting if we're a white-tailed deer hunter or white-tailed deer manager? Because shrubby species are an intricate part of healthy habitat. Mm -hmm. And you go to the, look at the American beautyberry shrubby species that's great for the deer, great for the birds. And then you have the painted bunting, which thrives on this shrubby species. So, Are you saying painted bunny? Yeah. Painted bunny. Painted bunny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The painted bunting. Okay. Um, so if you're seeing those on your property on a consistent basis, you're you're knowing that you have that shrub-like landscape or you're having those shrub species on your, on your Man, land. Man, that's great. You know, and um, one of the things that um, I really need to improve strength on is ornithology. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's – that's that's interesting, and that you know, speaking to myself here, that's a uh, that's an integral part to what we do. Just as as important as pollinators are, yeah. And yeah. I seem to uh, I seem to overlook that, you know, uh, sometimes in a way. So I, thanks for mentioning that. It's often easy to, but just like they they can be used as indicator species. Oh, if if a painted bunting is here, I know that X habitat is also present. And that habitat supports Good point. this, this, and this. Good point. So they can kind of be a register. Okay, I know I'm on the right track. If you're mm-hmm. starting to see these other species. Yep. Yep. Maybe no, you haven't seen the results point. of the whitetail, you know, come into the habitat and, and utilize it like you thought. But just wait, it will because others are. That's a good point. And the bird watching market is huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's and very important. Definitely. You know, for the, the French name for the painted bunting. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but it means without equal because of ah, the, the, the amount beauty. of colors it has. Oh, wow. So That's interesting. Yep. So anyway. we always highlight, since I know you, you listen all the time, I'll just, you know, refresh your memory. We always highlight one plant and one animal on the podcast. Okay. Just as a, hey, and typically they're non-game species to bring in, mm-hmm. you know, awareness to, hey, there's other cool animals out there. There's other cool plants out there that need and and honestly require the same attention that we give deer turkey ducks hogs all this stuff we need to be shining some light on them too because we we are conservationists because of species man that is awesome you guys do that seriously so yeah mine was i I don't know we've covered monarch butterfly um we've covered an otter red red we did a full podcast where we just went through a whole bunch of them red-headed woodpecker that goes with the you know you talked about the fire and killing some trees and and we noticed it when we were on the property big dead tree standing and most people would say oh that's not aesthetically pleasing that's pretty ugly 
But there's so many species Tom. that require Tons of cavity those. nesters in those. Oh. That's it. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a, a purpose for it all. So anyway, uh, I, know I got a would you rather. Okay. Would you rather have cold Mexican food <laughs> or go hog hunting and downpouring rain? Oh, if, wow. I mean, you know, if life we just, did both, just by the way, those to you. Yeah. we did both. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you the painting bunning answer and um, it, they're both unequal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would be a chameleon and adapt to both. Oh, wow. That, this was quite an adventure for sure. That's this it. Is fun. Yeah. I thought we were going to get rained in and stuck at the lake house. Yeah. But we made it out. And by the way. You know, we were pretty exhausted. What a mad game of uh, ping, ping pong. pong last night. That's sure, right. We got down That's dirty. Right. That yeah. was unbelievable. That's it. I, I haven't played we, ping I pong I think we all forever. surprised each other, too. Like, there were some, there were some good volleys back and forth. Yeah. It really was. I agree. I was really proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a few years, but after yeah. a couple stretch sessions, I really Whatever. got into my game. I bet you he plays uh, ping pong every time he goes to the lake house. Actually, right. I start by playing it on my Game Boy. Okay, oh, as yeah. a gamer, yeah, 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 and then I, I become reality. Oh man! And then you probably funny. finish on the Xbox at Xbox at night. Exactly, yeah. a hacky Before. sack up against the wall, <laughs> yeah. and I have a poster of a painted bunny <laughs> that I do that. Oh, that's funny. Well, man, wow. we appreciate you coming on, and hopefully, how can people find you? Yeah, before talk about I forget, man, we. Um, we are our corporate office here in Lufkin, Texas. Anybody ever comes through, I mean, you've seen it. It's cool culture with a awesome. lot of farms. Yeah. You know, it's an open-door deal. You know, we love spending time just talking with people that love what we do. So, for one, in person, um, our corporate office here in Lufkin, Texas, that's one way. The other is just, um, you know, naturebasedlife.com. Uh, I don't know even know if I've mentioned that to you guys. That is our um, our parent company uh main webpage that we mm-hmm. um launched last week nice. because it wasn't just you know nature's eye consulting nature's eye media it's more of that nature-based life and that mm-hmm. lifestyle so there we'll be sharing content uh you guys podcast you know and some of the things that we're going to be doing together uh I'll be on that so that's that's the really the easiest way to what we do as well as you know like everybody else some social media platforms awesome love it love it Check please, it out. Please, yeah, please. And you got Facebook, you got Instagram, all that stuff. It's all there, man. Nature's and eye. Man, thanks for, I mean, main thing is, seriously, thanks for, for one, taking the time to be here, uh, have me in on that, and you guys being an open door to be like, hey, let's, you know, we all love the same thing. Let's yeah. let's sit and chat and do this stuff. And, yeah. man, this, this for me, this won't be the last one, man, if you have me on again. This That's is right. awesome. It won't. But we're going to be sharing sure. some campfires together and, Hacky sack games. Some oh. duck blinds, hopefully. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Catered Mexican. And, <laughs> hey, how about that uh, that pizza I had delivered to the office? I never had that pizza yet. It's called Domino's. Domino's. Yeah, I, we're going to have to look and see if we have I, any of those. Yeah. And the sandwiches, you know, we pride ourselves on Texas hospitality. Yeah. yeah. As you can tell, I don't mean yeah. to brag, but, you know, we, we really roll out the red carpet. Texas. That's right, and that's why I took you guys to Subway. Yeah, that's right. The first day, I would look for the foot long just to see if it was a little bit bigger here in Texas. I measured it. Yeah, still the same. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Round two. Round two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Awesome. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out Blake and his team and Nature's Eye, and uh, we will catch you next time. See ya. Thanks. Yeah.